1: Welcome to On The Verge. coming to you on a day that Orioles history was made. May 5th, 2021, John Means throws a no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners in Seattle in an excellent start. Uh, nine shutout innings, 12 strikeouts, and the Orioles come away with a 6-0 win. So we're going to get into Means' historic performance, uh, but we are are also a minor league podcast. And we are going to get into the minor league opening day as well, which took place yesterday, and have our early reaction on some of the standout performances, including uh, starts by D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez, um, as well as the home run by Gunnar Henderson that, uh, if you're like me, you've been watching on a continuous loop since yesterday. So on the the uh, Zach Spedden here, along with Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, as always. And we'll be breaking that down tonight. But first, on the Verge, is brought to you Courtesy and Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Mercer is a third-generation family business that was established in 1959. It is located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster, Maryland. For all of your flooring needs, think Mercer. So John Means has been off to an excellent start in 2021, and that got even better today as he threw a no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, nine innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, 12 strikeouts. Um so Means coming down with what I would have to guess is probably one of the single best starts in Orioles history, if not the best, in that win over the Mariners. The first time any Oriole has thrown a no-hitter since 1990, that was a combined no-hitter. The last person to throw a no-hitter on their own in an Orioles uniform was Jim Palmer back in 1969. So you have to go a long way back uh, to find the last time that this happened in Royals history, that a pitcher completed a no-hitter from start to finish. Uh, So, Bob, uh, just your reaction to this. Oh, it was
2: so exciting. Uh, I haven't been that nervous since we were in the playoffs a few years ago. I mean, at first it was like, oh, yeah, he's perfect, quote-unquote perfect through five or six innings it's like yeah it'll get broken up at some point or something will happen but no it just kept going and it was good to feel those nerves in a mean, it was like a first meaningful game it felt like since 2016 maybe 2017 so it was awesome i think it's also the first time in major league history that it's a no hitter where the only runner reached on a strikeout that got away from the, the catcher so he has that glorious distinction thanks pedro not voting for you, um, but yeah, oh, it was awesome. It was spectacular. I was lucky enough to see it from start to finish. Actually, I recorded a podcast directly in the middle with uh, Locked On Orioles, which should be out later in the week. It was supposed to be yesterday. Thanks, John. <laughs> so I've I've only missed one Orioles game all year, and it was the John Means no hitter this afternoon.
0: Uh, coming home from work, getting stuck in traffic, and then having a one and a half year old lose his mind as I came home. But uh, super exciting. I'll watch it tomorrow. Uh, pretend like I don't know what happens. Um, now it's pretty cool. I think you mentioned one of the best starts in Orioles history. I did see a tweet from Joe Trezza. I mean, just reading all the tweets about this historic moment and where it stands in Major League Baseball history, not just Orioles history, but I think Joe Trezza had, it is the second highest game score ever. I think it was a 99. um, And the only person who beat him out was a 111. And I forget the name and I shouldn't have, and I apologize, but he threw like 15 or 16, like shutout innings, uh, something absurd. So, I mean, it was an historic day for John Means. I don't think it could happen to a better person after everything he went through last year. And I just, I absolutely love that story of, um, him looking down at his glove before he went out in the ninth inning, and seeing his dad's initials on his glove, like that—that that hits. That hits hard. I mean, it's hitting me right now just thinking about it. I didn't even watch the game, but just seeing that tweet, like that—that that hits uh, pretty hard. So, awesome job for John Means, and I can't wait to actually watch the game tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was really special that of all the pitchers that could throw a no hitter for the Orioles. I, obviously, we would be happy if anybody did it, but the fact that it was Means, it's just a little bit more special, I think.
2: Oh, no, totally yeah. representative of this turnaround. You know, he started getting good. He showed up the same time Michael Elias and company did. It's very. I just feel like it's very symbolic, and uh, hopefully, it's a great sign of things to come. I guess he was uh, reading the Ace debate on Twitter, so he <laughs> put an end to that. And I don't. I don't think that his
0: story gets told enough. I mean, Orioles fans, we know it, and we bring it up all the time. But even then, I. Like, I don't think people truly understand. I mean, how close this guy was to quitting. And I remember when he was in the minor leagues, specifically when he was in Bowie, and, I mean, his starts were just meh. I mean, he was another guy. He's a 4-5 or five back-end starter in a double-A rotation. Um, he might give you five, six innings and g- give up four or five runs and it'd be an okay start, but nothing memorable, really. And now look at him. He's an all-star. He's got no hitter. Maybe that extension's coming. Who knows? Uh, let's hope. He,
2: maybe
1: a Cy Young. <laughs> And it, don't roll it out right now. It's the start he's on. I, I would not be shocked to see uh, his name come up in Cy Young races if he continues this. Um, so just to throw out some facts and figures, this was the first Orioles no-hitter since 1991. Uh, the Orioles defeated the A's on July 13th of that year with a combined no-hitter from Bob Malacchi, Mike Flanagan, Mark Williamson, and Greg Olson. Uh, the Joe treat tweet that Nick mentioned the 99 game score is tied with Mike Flanagan's start on August 15th, 1979, for the second best since the team moved to Baltimore in 1954. The highest was 111 from Jerry Walker on September 11th, 1959, when he threw 16 shutout innings. So good stats there from Joe Trezza, um, but that you know coming in with what's the second uh, tied for the second best game score. In uh, Orioles history, John means today. Yeah,
2: um, yeah, it's awesome. It's just so awesome.
1: Yeah, and I should throw this out there too because we've now seen the Mariners quite a bit, and this just the last time actually we're going to see the Mariners this year, I believe. Um, but that's not a slouch of a lineup. There's some good hitters in there. Um, that that is not a lineup that you know you can really take for granted. So it's not like Means went out today and beat a Triple A team. This is a, a Decent team with a pretty good lineup.
0: Yeah, I think that's a team that I think a lot of people figured, especially after last year, that they're probably only a year away. You figure by the end of this year and opening day next year, for sure, they're going to have Jared Kalanick and Julio Rodriguez and all those stud outfielders that they have. Uh, So this team is pretty close to being a playoff team, maybe closer because the the AL West is kind of a a man division, Uh, but yeah, definitely good team and on the road. So kudos to John means I, I don't, I don't think Orioles fans are going to live this down anytime soon, and we shouldn't. We should keep this going as long as possible. Exactly, this makes the whole
2: season. Oh, sorry, you, oh, Zach.
1: No, uh, I think the right
2: um, And I know Seattle had the 29th best slash worst batting average in baseball, but they got a lot of talented guys to hit for power, and he just saw them like a week or two ago, and they hit a couple home runs off of him, so. It's very impressive. That Kyle Lewis ball, I thought it was gone, but I'm, I'm glad it only went to the wall.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot to, you know, John Means, congratulations on the no-hitter. Um, it makes a season, but maybe things only go up from here for the Orioles. We'll see. But if this is the highlight of 2021, it's a very good one. Uh, we'll now turn our attention down to the minor leagues. Uh, as minor league opening day took place on Tuesday, And it started off pretty good for a lot of the Orioles' top prospects. Uh, D.L. Hall put up an excellent start in Altoona, striking out 10 in four-and-a-thirds. Grayson Rodriguez getting off to a good debut at Aberdeen as well. Um, And Gunnar Henderson hitting a home run on one of the smoothest swings. I think we will see all year going opposite field at Purdue Stadium down in Salisbury, which is not easy. Um, so we'll get into some of the highlights from the minor leagues, the start of the minor league season, now and currently as we're recording this, Delmarva and Salem are resuming a game that was suspended on Tuesday night. The Shorebirds are up seven to four. Actually, they just finished it out. Selton Perkins uh, comes in and gets the final out, so the Shorebirds win that one seven to four. Um, so Nick, Selton Perkins, friend of the show, now. I hey. mean, yeah. God, I've
0: watched every. I don't think I've ever missed a Shelton Perkins outing uh, over the last three years. Uh, so that's awesome to see that he came in the game. I definitely can't wait till after the show to, to go back and watch that. I, I'm proud of that kid. He's he deserves he deserves all of this.
1: So we'll talk about the the, the Westbrook home run for a minute. Um, on Tuesday night when this game started, Henderson went opposite field in the first inning, uh, hitting a ball out to left center field for a two run homer. And the reaction, uh, including from some players in the Orioles farm system, is that you just don't see that a lot in Delmarva, and I think that tells you how much strength Gunnar Henderson has. And Bob, I'm curious to get your thoughts, uh, as I'm sure you've seen the home run and what you think Henderson's swing looks like.
2: Yeah, I was watching it live, and it the camera angle wasn't like your typical major league camera angle. It's like behind a uh, bird's eye view from like the press box area and. Man, it was it was a beautiful swing. It just seemed effortless. It was like that Chris Davis, you know, vintage Chris Davis opposite field blast. Just smooth. Just sent a rocket. I thought I was surprised how far it went. It was over 400 feet, very opposite field, not even close to center. It was just a blast. It was uh, fun to watch. Of course, the rain came and and washed the game away. But I'm I'm glad that the run still counts because that was impressive. I mean, this is
0: his very first at bat in full season minor league ball, and he showed off that strength he has. I think we got a quick glimpse in, in his very first at bat of why every single outlet out there hyped up Gunnar Henderson before the season started. Um, and he made a good defensive play too in that first inning before he hit the before he hit that home run as well. Um, Some smooth out there at shortstop, so he can play shortstop. He does have a good arm. Uh, there's only one play I know, but look, we're we're going to overhype all of this, and that's great. Um, but, I mean, I was—I remember after I tweeted out the video and I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to bed later on. I'm trying to go to sleep after, like, putting out all these highlights, watching these games, trying to get off this high of minor league baseball coming back. And then I just keep reading all the comments to that Gunnar Henderson video. And it was, you see Grayson Rodriguez uh, in his comment says, people don't hit that ball out there. Um, just all the comments from players, like you mentioned, in the system, guys hyping each other up. Uh, it was just absolutely amazing to see. Baseball America, I think it was Kyle Glazer who was like, look, this is why we put him on our top 100 list now. Uh, he's showing you exactly why. I mean, this is exactly what Orioles fans wanted to see, and we got it night one down on the farm system.
1: You know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of comparisons because um, sometimes I think they get a little oversimplified. Like, I, I know that Baseball America readers of a certain age will remember when every center field prospect was compared to Mike Cameron. Um, it seemed like we had about a decade of that, but, um, the Corey Seager, Gunnar Henderson comp, I'm almost there on it just because I've seen Henderson swing enough now that it does remind me of Corey Seager a little bit. I don't know if he's going to be the exact same type of player, but, you know, both are guys that are bigger for shortstops, good left-handed strokes is a lot of power. It obviously remains to be seen if Henderson does stick at shortstop long term, but, Comparison-wise, I don't know that that's far off.
2: It makes sense. I mean, they're both big, powerful guys, and that'd be great if he could ever be as good as Corey Seeger. That's a home run right there. So, almost as big of a home run as he hit last night.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that look, Orioles fans want to see some of these middle infield prospects hit. And we're talking about one inning of one game because we haven't gone back and watched the conclusion of that game yet. Um, and I don't know what he did in that first game. And they got another game tonight. It's, it's a long season. This is just the very beginning. But, I mean, first at bat to show that, I mean, this this guy might be legit. Maybe he's not going to be at uh, Del Mar Rufa very long because maybe all those reports out at of a, at a camp were true uh, about the progression he's made. And, and if that's the case, then uh, this is this is an exciting guy that the Orioles have down the farm system, a legitimate exciting prospect to join the D.L. Halls and Grayson Rodriguez.
1: So before we move on from Delmarva, I do want to note uh, Jordan Westberg was hitting behind Henderson in that game. Uh, Henderson batting third and Westberg batting fourth. Uh, Westberg, in his professional debut, goes two for five in an RBI while playing at third base. Um, again, a small sample size, but a good start for him. And uh, I'll be curious to see how the Soarbirds, and we talked about this a lot on our last show, how the Soarbirds are going to manage this infield. Because there are so many players that are going to need at bats, but I'll be interested to see how Westberg looks at third base if they give him an extended trial there. I've seen too at the AAA
0: level, and we already seen with Tyler Nevin. Let's skip ahead a little bit, but we already seen the, the Orioles move Tyler Nevin around. Down, there. he played first base first night. Then he went out right field today, and so I think you're going to see that all levels of the minor leagues. Uh, Westberg, Henderson, this uh, Anthony Servidio is DHing the first night, which is which is weird to see. But you've got so many talents down there and so few spots, but you're going to see this massive rotation, I think, in Delmarver all year round as they try to figure out, first of all, how do they get the most at-bats out of them? And then we'll figure out down the road what position is best. For right now, I think it's just the most important thing is just getting at-bats.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think you'll maybe you'll even see Henderson and Westberg swap positions for the second game of this uh, weird doubleheader. Yeah, I think Elias and them, they kind of – they covet that positional flexibility, and I think they're going to give everyone every chance to master as many positions as they can to give themselves more options once they get to the major league level.
1: So moving up the farm system now, the Aberdeen Ironbirds were at their regional rival Wilmington Blue Rocks last night and got a 10-1 to win um, in a game that really saw the Ironbirds bats take off in the late innings. Because um, it was actually only 2 to nothing going into the 6th. Then they scored two in the sixth, three in the seventh, then added three more in the ninth to round out what was a 10-1 to victory. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez in his debut at the high A level goes four innings, one hit, no runs, two walks, five strikeouts. And he's followed in relief by two very good outings, Uh, one from Ryan Wilson who delivered three shutout innings with six strikeouts. And then Garrett Farmer came in and pitched the last two frames. Um, Sorry about that. Wilson actually did give up a run, but it was unearned. Farmer comes in uh, with two shutout innings to round out the game with two strikeouts. I know there, though, the focus for most listeners is on Rodriguez. I didn't get to see much video from this game. There actually was no video from this game last night. But we do have a tweet from D.L. Hall that Grayson Rodriguez, I believe, apparently hit 101. It's absurd. Like, this is
0: absolutely absurd. Um, I, I didn't believe it when DL, I saw that tweet from DL Hall. And then Orioles player development also tweeted that out. So it's true. It's confirmed. I'm taking that as confirmed. Um, <laughs> the The video out of Aberdeen is going to be pretty sparse. I mean, out of Aberdeen, there is not going to be any video. So we're only going to get the rare road games where they do have uh, a feed. So, like, Bob, this is on you this year to get the videos of Grace Rodriguez pumping 101 miles an hour out this year. But, I mean... You couldn't ask for anything more out of him in, in that first start. And Just one hit allowed across four innings, that's solid. Five strikeouts is good. He, at 63 pitches, I was figuring he'd probably go 60, maybe 70 max. Uh, so I'm curious to see how the Orioles treat Grayson Rodriguez this year now after that first start and to see how dominant he was and see him throwing 101 miles an hour apparently. Uh, I'm curious to see how long they're going to keep the, the gloves on him and, or when they're going to let him loose down there in, in Aberdeen.
2: Yeah, if you're watching the video or the live stream of this, I was trying to do that eyeball emoji in real life and uh, because that's what my reaction was when when I saw that tweet. I don't know how much we can trust the source, but uh, I think it's pretty fair to say he must have done it because that's pretty crazy. But I did get an email from uh, the PR department at Aberdeen that they're going to just have a typical five-man starting rotation and typical bullpen. So I wouldn't think that he's just going to be a four-innings every time out piggyback type situation. I would think – He's just going to have to build up a little bit, maybe six innings occasionally, but mostly just trying to get five innings out of him like they did last year. And, yeah, super impressive. I I just don't even know what to say with him. I I just cannot wait to get out there and watch him live in person and finally get Orioles fans some video.
1: um, Nick, you mentioned the pits count earlier. I'm expecting that with uh, Rodriguez and Hall especially, that we are going to see the Orioles be a little bit cautious. But um, what do you think Maybe the way that they build him up over these first few starts? Do you think it's going to be in that 60 to 75 pitch range?
0: I'd probably say, yeah, just because the other thing, too, that keeps creeping in your mind. And, and I know I've heard other people kind of debate this, especially like all year, going from 60 games to 162 games at the pro level. And then the minor league going from alt site, you know, not no real games, scrimmages, controlled environments to these real minor league games in real environments with fans, weather conditions, it's raining everywhere at, at all these sites now, it seems like for the Orioles. And, and so, but at the end, the, the debate being, you know, do you just let guys go out there and throw? These are professional pitchers. They're used to it. Maybe their arms are fresh at this point after a year of, of not pitching uh, versus hold them back, kind of kind of baby them a little bit so they don't get hurt. But then what we've seen is just massive amounts of injuries this year. And seeing a guy like Dustin May go down the other day, like that's scary to see the constant flow of people on the injured list. And so uh, I don't want to be talking about that right now, but I mean, I think that's something we got to think about. So I think I think they take Grace Rodriguez and Dio Hall along pretty slowly.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. What is it? The Brewers had like 17 players on their injured list at one point in time. So, yeah, injuries are definitely a big factor this year. And and I think you're right. They got to got to be careful.
1: Yeah, so a couple of offensive highlights there from Aberdeen. Kyle Stowers goes two for five with three RBIs in the opener. Joey Ortiz, who we've heard some hype uh, from the Orioles about coming into this season, got off to a big debut, going three for five out of the cleanup spot. Um, you would think a ten, you know, a ten to one win, you might have more than one home run, but um, there were two. So Roger hits one in the sixth, and Stowers hits one in the seventh. Um, so, overall, an impressive night for the Ironbirds, 11 hits. So, a good start for that lineup, especially for Kyle Stowers, Joey Ortiz, and Johnny Riser. Absolutely.
0: Okay. I, I mentioned on our hitter preview that you know, I want to see that outfield group of Riser, Stowers, and Zach Watson. Which one of those guys is gonna step up this year and take the lead in that outfield and then kind of submit themselves on this prospect list? And I know Johnny Riser's not a top thirty guy, uh, but can he force his way into that conversation? More so looking at Zach Watson and Kyle Stowers. Uh and Stowers didn't strike out last night as well.
2: So he's off on the right foot. And that's something important to say. So one game. Yeah, I'm I was gonna just take. gonna say Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I was just gonna say that it's cool. I feel like these guys I feel like I'm repeating myself because I said a lot of this stuff on the Locked Orioles podcast, if anyone's going to listen to that. But uh, it's just so cool that they were drafted together. They've pretty much played together every stop along the way. They're starting the season at Aberdeen in high A together. And I feel like that competitiveness between them is going to help things a little bit. They all did something in that game last night. Watson had a single and a stolen base. Stars crushed one and had a single. And then obviously Riser had a couple extra base hits. So... It's just great. I think these guys, neither, none of them are on my personal top 30 list, but all three of them could force their way onto it by the end of the season, depending on how things go.
1: Yeah. Roger was a guy who back in 2019 drew a lot of interest because after getting drafted out of TCU, he slashed 308, 365, 465. So batting average on base slugging percentage in 63 games between Aberdeen and Delmarva. Um, and his batting average actually went up a little bit with the move to Delmarva. So he hit well at two levels in a short, you know, after the draft. So he was a guy going into 2020, was drawing a little bit of interest, and I think would have been on the edge of some top 30 lists if he was not in them already. But then, you know, we saw what happened with 2020. And I don't know that Ryder was completely forgotten about, but it was also not a name that's necessarily at the forefront of my mind coming into this year as a top 30 prospect yet. Performance he put up in 2019, I think, got close to putting him in that conversation. I'm curious though if
0: he's an advanced college bat too. From is he at TCU? I I think he is. Yes. Um, So, yeah, he's got that uh, advanced pedigree, and I think he has a really high floor, but I'm not sure how much more he has, like as far as development, how much more the Orioles going to get out of him. Which I'm not saying he's a bad player, he's a solid player right now, uh, but. This could be a, a guy who's really good that you want to keep around in your AAA system for a long time uh, once once he gets to that level. And that if you need an emergency outfielder, this is a guy who can play defense. He's got speed and, you know, he can hit a little bit, too. So he, he's a perfect guy to, to fill in, in emergencies and have around.
2: Yeah, he's absolutely a player that he's going to serve his purpose. He might be a little bit more towards the organizational player type of deal, but he's definitely a solid one to have, and who knows, maybe if he just continues to rake, he'll eventually get his chance to do it at the Major League level.
1: So Aberdeen is playing Wilmington right now in the second game of their series, and I'll rattle off this highlight as they're up 2-1 to one, um, in the top of the seventh. This was a professional ga- debut for Garrett Stallings, who goes five innings, six hits, one run. It was earned, no walks, and four strikeouts, so an excellent start to the season for Garrett Stallings
2: yeah I'm super excited to see him pitch this year there's got to be a reason they targeted him in out of trade the scouting that they were doing at the alternate site obviously we've heard about his increased velocity over the offseason and his vaunted control that he had at Tennessee and he showed that here with five innings and no walks and four strikeouts I mean you'll take that every time so and he had to be nervous I mean it's been two years since he was drafted and he's just now making his like a professional debut. That's got to be crazy, but yeah, good for him. And I hope he keeps it up and makes his way to Billy at some point this season.
0: Yeah. We're seeing all these angels guys. Now we saw Zach peak last night down in Delmarva for like two innings um he did give up three runs he gave up a home run but he had three strikeouts uh he he looked pretty solid as solid as we can of a look as we can get with the the camera angle they have in Delmarva but I'm not complaining because we have a camera in Delmarva now um but we saw him a little bit and then yeah those numbers fantastic for Garrett Stallings we saw Kyle Bradish and Bowie when we talk about Bowie here in a second so it's fun I think Brnovich is going tomorrow or Friday he's going soon in Aberdeen as well I think he follows up Garrett Stallings tomorrow down in Aberdeen so it's exciting to finally see these Angels guys and show us what they got down there.
1: Yeah, and here's a stat that I'm going to throw out for Stallings from tonight that I think is impressive. 64 pitches, 45 strikes. Right, that's Taking same
0: every time. Yeah, same thing with, with Zach Peek. I'm going to try to find his. I wrote them down. Zach Peek had 31 pitches, 23 strikes. So if you want to know why my class is targeting these Angels guys, they throw strikes, they strike guys out, they don't walk guys. There you go.
2: And uh, update, as we speak, Zach Watson just hit an RBI triple. So Nice.
1: So uh, Aberdeen off to a good start right now. And now I want to get into Bowie. And before we get into the opener from Tuesday, because there's a lot to unpack there, and Nick was also at the Bay Sox Media Day earlier this week and has some insight that he can share on air. I'll give a quick rundown of what's happening right now in Game 2 of that series at Altoona. Bay Sox are up 6-2 to two going into the ninth inning. Um, So far for the highlights, offensively, uh, Robert Newstrom, two for three on the night. Adley Rutzman uh, got his first hit at double A. He's one for four and is actually playing first base. Um, On the mound, Kyle Braddis makes his debut, goes four and two thirds innings, two hits allowed, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. He gets through that outing in 72 pitches. So that game is not finished yet with the Bay Sox up six to two, but. Uh, a couple of notable prospects uh, putting up good performances there.
0: Yeah, I tried to watch a few innings of that game earlier before we came on the air. So to Bruce's question about how did Brash's stuff look, um, again, trying to console a one and a half year old as I'm watching this. And Altoona's feed, I don't know what is going on in Altoona. But and Bob, you mentioned this last night in our chat. They have a lot of cameras at Altoona and they are beautiful HD cameras. Great job, Altuna. But your center field camera is complete garbage. I don't know what it is. And then today, just that view, whenever the pitcher moves, it's like super slow-mo. And then the ball's like shoots out. And I don't know what's going on there. So um, it, I could not pay attention. It hurt my eyes to try to watch that as much as I wanted to. I wanted to see what Kyle Brash's stuff looked like. Um, it looked like it had a lot of movement because it starts in his hand and ends it in the dirt, and the guy <laughs> is swinging. I don't know how it gets to that point, but there we go. Um, yeah, so the numbers were good. I mean, maybe – well, hopefully the feed gets fixed tomorrow, but we can go off the numbers, I guess, because Altoona, you're killing us.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <I'd- laughs> I did. I looked at that game. I was right before we came on. I was like, let me just see, because I noticed that they were playing. Kyle Bradish was doing pretty good. So I'm like, let me jump on here, see if I can catch a glimpse of him. And like we were batting. We slash Bowie. And like you said, it was like so glitchy with that one camera angle, which looks like a zoomed in iPhone 7 from a mile away. It's so blurry and terrible. While every other camera is like immaculate professional level. It's insane. I have no idea what's going on there. But yeah. Hopefully, I mean, the numbers look good for Bradish tonight. That is impressive. It just seems like Bowie's rotation is just going to strike out like 14 batters per nine. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping to get a chance to see him next week uh, with a real, real camera.
1: Yeah, so, you know, while we don't have, you know, enough yet to go off as far as how his stuff looks, there's been a lot of positive reports about his velocity. Uh, sounds like he's been pretty consistently hitting the mid-90s leading up to this season. Um, working out down in Sarasota. And, you know, if the strikeout total is any indication, seven and four and two-thirds, the stuff was there for him tonight. So we're certainly going to be watching Bradis closely as the year goes on. Going back to Tuesday night's game, though, uh, the big highlight there is the performance by D.L. Hall. Four and a third innings, two hits, two walks, struck out ten. I ha- I watched most of that start for Hall, and I don't know how Altoona could touch him because of the way that His fastball and all of his off-speed pitches were moving as they got into the strike zone. It looked like a lot of late movement. And now keep in mind that I heard this mentioned off the stadium gun. We don't always know how accurate stadium guns are, but Altoona's announcers were mentioning velocities basically in a 97 to 99 range for Hall last night. And, you know, from what I could tell in the video feed, it looked like it was every bit of that coming out of his hand.
2: Yeah. He, uh, he did walk two batters, and he hit a batter. So, obviously, the command is just – it's always going to be the make or break for D.L. Hall. It's command because his stuff is electric. He's got – that fastball is incredible. Three majorly quality breaking pitches that all do what they're supposed to do. Sky's the limit with him. It all, all comes down to command. He is so impressive. It's hard to see him stay at Bowie. If he's going to pitch like this every time out, he can't be sticking around at Bowie for too long. He was sensational. Yeah, I don't and and I don't think we can
0: kind of underestimate how big that performance was last night from Hall, just because the weather, that, that muddy mound as well, opening night against a pretty good Altoona team. They got some guys: O'Neill, Cruz is in that lineup. Uh, Jay Wan Bay, I think, is in that top of that lineup. It's a solid Pittsburgh uh, minor league lineup down there. But I mean, I, I was was that Tuesday, Monday? I don't know which day. I think it was Monday. Um, I did attend the, the preseason Zoom call, and I had uh, Bowie Baysox manager Buck Britton was on there. Ali Rutschman hopped on, D.L. Hall hopped on. But Buck Britton said that pitching is going to be the backbone of this roster for Bowie. And right now they're showing that with Hall's starts and Bradish's start. Uh, and I want to talk about another pitcher in Bowie, too, at, at the end of this. But, um, I mean, he mentioned that D.L. Hall was, He said his quote was, this guy's becoming a polished pitcher. He's commanding the ball much better now. Uh, he used one word to describe his spring uh, training, and he said, just said dominant, that he's got control of all four of his pitches. Um, Adley Rushman had huge, huge, huge praise talk, uh, for D.L. Hall as well. And then when Hall came on, he said, I probably only walked three guys all spring. And for D.L. Hall to say that, a guy who across his career is walking almost five per game, like I know that's spring training, but that's still huge. And so I know there's a lot of, okay, but let's see that in a game. And he comes out opening night and he shows that in a game not that command that he has like, yeah, the curveball always wasn't super tight and sharp. Uh, He like Bob mentioned, he did hit a guy. He did walk two batters, but he struck out 10, which I think tied a career high or was a career high. Um, Just a fantastic start for DL Hall. So let's, let's keep this rolling. And him and Richmond, I I tried to watch that a little bit, that connection him and Richmond had, like you already see that. And so that's, that's awesome to see.
1: Yeah, I think that's really the big one of the big takeaways for me is that I, I agree with Nick. You could tell that there was a little bit of a connection there. And, you know, I think that if you strike out 10 batters on the first day of the season, especially when you um, haven't pitched in a competitive game in, you know, about 19 months, if you walk four batters, I'm okay with that. Honestly, for the first time out, the fact that it was only at two, I actually thought was a good thing. You know, obviously, we want to see him get better as the year goes on and see him get a little bit deeper in the games uh, than he did last night. But two walks when you're striking out 10 and not giving up a run is good.
2: Absolutely. I mean, those hitters look like they were just closing their eyes and swinging as hard as they could. Like, that was the only chance they had. (laughs) The walk, if he's not walking them, they weren't touching him. Even the one hit that he gave up, I think it was a double hit, one of the last batters he faced it could have been caught. I mean, it was a nice attempt out there in center field just missed. So the guy is electric. He is electric. We're sitting here talking about DL Hall throwing 99. And
0: I believe one of those innings came in like the third inning late in the third inning too, where one of the announcers mentioned the 99, if I'm not mistaken, I had so many issues with my feed. I actually didn't watch this game until about 10 o'clock last night. Cause I could not get the buoy game to load and I was gave up, but good thing I did it. Um, we're talking about DL Hall and his dominance heart throwing 99 and Grayson Rodriguez throwing 101 on a night when John Means throws a no-hitter, a near perfect game. Like, who says Orioles can't develop pitching? Like, this is a team we're talking about a lot, a lot
2: of solid pitching here. This is exciting. I don't I don't know what else to say. It's it's incredibly exciting. And those three guys, hopefully they're at the top of our rotation in a year or two. Just think of that.
1: Yeah, hey, you could have see that. I did want to throw this out there, and you know it's early, and we don't know you know a lot about Taron Vavra yet. He did go two for five in that opener, and his first hit was actually a line drive single back up the middle, and I loved what I saw from his swing on that little bit of a clip. You could definitely see that line drive stroke that we've heard so much about on that base hit. You know, Obviously, we'll see how he adjusts to going straight from low A to double A after not having a minor league season last year, but At least for that game, I thought he looked pretty good. He did. And I enjoyed that hit
0: as well. And the thing with this Bowie lineup as a whole, opening night, they struck out 17 times and they only walked once. Uh, And I know it's opening night, but that's still an extreme number. And and I don't know what the numbers were today. I I look at what they're doing today. But um, the few, the little bit I watched, I know there's a lot of strikeouts going on down there as well. But you've got big boppers like Adley Rutchman, who, you know, Struck out three times, I think, opening night. So, of course, like, burn it all to the ground. Rebuilds over. Adley Rushman's a bust. Um, Spencer Torkelson, I think, was also 0 for 3 last night. So, Detroit, blow that up. Rebuilds over in Detroit, too. Um, no, like, Robert Newstrom is in this lineup. J.C. Ascara is in this lineup. You've got some guys, a lot of power guys in this buoy lineup. And I think it's going to take a long time for them to settle in and, and find their strokes. Uh, but Taryn Vavra came out of the hot, and he's the guy that you want to see do that, uh, collect those base hits. He's not going to hit 20 home runs this year. But I want to see him get on base. I want to see what his defense looks like looks like as well, because I think I mentioned last week or two weeks ago that I mean, Vavra is, is kind of like the Swiss Army Knife player. I kind of get the vibe um, that the Orioles desperately need up at the major league level.
2: Yeah, so tonight the Bowie Bay Sox have struck out 15 times, and they still have to bat in the ninth inning. But they did. Walk six times this time go. around. Uh, professional hitter, Taron Vavra. He has a couple walks on the night. And uh, yeah, he's just, he's a hit machine. I feel like, like you said with uh, Johnny Riser, his floor is pretty high. It's just a matter of, can he reach the ceiling? So to me, I think he's going to thrive at AA Bowie. And I initially had him at play Norfolk, which is definitely a little overreaching, but I think he could get there at some point. I think. You know, as soon as Jam Jones, Jermie Jones, and uh, Rylan Bannon and Richie Martin are all up at the major league level, I think Taron Vavra could even see himself up AAA.
1: So, on the on that note, we're going to head up to Norfolk now. And the Tides have been involved in some high scoring games to start the year, and on the losing end of both of them uh, today, they drop a ten to seven contest to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, um, an afternoon affair, but. For some positives out of that lineup, Jemai Jones, who Bob just mentioned, goes three for five with three RBIs, uh, hit a triple in that game, also hit a home run. Tyler Nevin hits his second home run of the year um, as part of a two-for-four performance. Ryland Bannon goes 0-for-four but does draw a walk. Uh, Stevie Wilkerson goes two for five. Ryan Ripken was a two-for-four performance. So Some of the bats in Norfolk getting going even as the pitching staff gets off to a slow start down there. It is was a tough few games for Norfolk, but I mean, look at the pitchers that
0: Norfolk threw out there. I mean, it was Connor Green and Cody Carroll were two guys that got shelled opening night. Um, and, and I think the Jacksonville announcer said it best that, especially when Connor Green was pitching, they mentioned that they weren't even competitive pitches. Like they're not competitive balls. I mean, these were balls that are or more off the plate. Uh, it was not a good night for Connor Green today. It was Josh Rogers again. He hasn't pitched. In, it's almost two years to the day that he was last on the mound because he had his his second Tommy John surgery. Um and then right after him was Jay Flaw. Jay Flaw kinda got rocked. Uh, but we haven't seen Zach Lothar, Alex Wells, uh or Keegan Aiken down there from Norfolk yet. So that's that's the good part when you're looking at the Norfolk pitching.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, we projected this amazing Norfolk rotation with Kevin Smith, Zach Lothar, Alexander Wells, Bruce Zimmerman, Keegan Aiken, all these guys. It's hard it's gonna be hard to win when you're throwing no offense, Josh Rogers and Connor Green out there to start. But uh, yeah, that was tough. Cody Carroll, man, he's still punishing me for picking him as the breakout player of last year. <laughs> and uh, But on the plus side, pitching, it was nice to see Marcos DiPlan and Manny Beretta get out there, pitch pretty well, and Dustin Knight had a nice outing today. So you always got to find your silver linings.
1: Yeah, So going back to the lineup for a minute, and this is one of the clips is Alan uh, at BSL on the Verge, our Twitter feed. Tyler Nevin goes opposite field with a home run in yesterday's game. We've heard a lot about that off-fields approach, and we saw it a little bit there with that home run, but he's off to a good start at the plate. Nick, what are you seeing from him to this point?
0: you wanted the power, and there you go. He's, he's showing you the power already. Two games, two home runs, the opposite field shot. The one today it almost left the stadium. I mean, he annihilated that baseball today. Um, yeah, he also played a really good first base uh, on opening night. They had him in right field today. I know he had the one play where he let a ball skip under his glove and go to the wall. That was that was eh, but um, I'll forgive him because he jacked that home run today. Uh, again, kind of like the deal with Taron Vever. This is a guy who can play, but – different profile obviously but nevin can play both corner and field spots he can play both corner outfield spots You can you can dh him if you need him to so if he's going to hit for power like this this is what people want to see and so if he keeps this up this is a guy that the orioles can bring up very soon i think he's not a he's not a, a top prospect that the orioles are going to worry about you know any service time or any of that stuff with, with tyler nevin if he's hitting bring him up in that lineup and he's going to make a difference especially now I mean, how many teams in Major League Baseball have a winning record? The Orioles are close to 500. I'm not saying the Orioles are going to win, but you go out there, you put him in that lineup, maybe it makes a difference. You start winning a few more games.
2: Yeah, wasn't the question in Colorado was uh, he going to be able to tap into that raw power in games? Well, so far so good on that front and it looks like the K-Vest that the Orioles are using and all this stuff, maybe they got to him. I mean, it's still early, you never know, but he just looks a part of it up there. He looks just like a big major league ball player standing in the plate. And he's off to a hot start. Couldn't ask for better. Maybe uh, we were all a little underrating of him, at least me, when we were making our top 30 prospect lists because he is coming out hot.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think there's a possibility we're going to look back on this um, in a few months and think we did underrate him. You know, back when we had our predictions, so I actually picked Nevin as a guy that I thought would graduate this year because of the fact that you can move him around a little bit. And as we've seen this year, the Orioles have had to go to their outfield, to their minor leagues for outfield help, even though they seemingly had so much of it at the major league level at the beginning of the year. Now, obviously, we're all hoping for a prolonged stretch where you have a healthy outfield of Austin Hayes, Cedric Mons, and Anthony Santander at the major league level. Um, and if the Orioles can stick around 500 until they get to that point, we'll see what they do after that. But I still think you're going to need some reinforcement from the minor leagues, and I think the fact that Nevin has always been a guy that has generally had a sound plate approach, where he can draw a lot of walks, and he you can move him around the different spots in the field, both corner infield spots, both corner outfield spots. Um, I have to give him a shot to get some extended major league time this year, especially if he keeps hitting like this.
2: No doubt. I was just going to say, yeah, you got like Pat Blake is He's on fire right now over the last few games. But look at the guys that the Orioles are running out there right now, especially if Mancini gets traded, something like that. it It's going to be Tyler time. Can we talk about the guy in
0: the Norfolk roster that needs to be called up tomorrow, though? Uh, Richie Martin. No, I'm joking. Jemai Jones. <laughs> Richie Martin <laughs> yeah. did have a good play, though. Uh, I tweeted that video out. He had a really good defensive highlight today. He went deep to his right. Back into the outfield grass, got it across the diamond to Tyler Nevin to first base. Nevin made a great stretch. Martin's had a couple of really good defensive plays already in these first two games. He had a hit today, I think, in the first inning, but then he got picked off first base. He got caught stealing, uh, which, okay. Um, but, no, uh, Jemiah Jones, I mean, today, his numbers, he went three for five today with a home run, two triples, three RBIs, two runs. He had a fantastic day. I mean, I don't know what else... We're getting really excited about Grayson Rodriguez, and we didn't even watch that outing. We watched Neil Hall. We get even more excited about the future, which I, like we have a right to. It's been almost two years since since we've watched minor league baseball. We're excited about all these performances, but Jemaya Jones, on a serious note, needs to be called up tomorrow because he has nothing left
2: to prove in the minor leagues.
0: At worst, again, this also isn't a guy who I think you're looking at as a future yeah, All-Star I second baseman.
2: Gonna say, uh, yeah, he was killing it at the alternate site at those little games scrimmages they had with the Nationals. And I mean, even last night, I feel like he crushed a ball that just missed, he just got under it. It was like morning track power. and I think he thought it, it was gonna go out. Uh, he was a little frustrated, but man, he's all over the ball right now. I know, you know, he doesn't have the most sustained success at the upper minor league levels, but clearly he's doing something right right now. So I agree, he should be up yesterday.
1: Yeah, you know, this is someone who early in his earlier in his career was actually considered a top 100 prospect. Um, you know, granted, he was on the lower end. And he was, you know, as Bob mentioned, he wasn't able to sustain some of that success. But this is someone who has been seen as having some upside for a while. Um, he looked good over a very very small run with the Angels last summer, um, and so far with what we've seen at the alternate site, or what we, you know, the numbers we've got now at the alternate site. What we're seeing in Norfolk now, and even a little bit we saw in spring training, the bat to me looks pretty good. And I just went back and I watched that triple from today. Um, Hits it out to kind of center, right center field, gets around the bases quickly. Um, You know, you love that sort of athleticism. And that's not something the Orioles necessarily have with their middle infield depth, especially at the higher levels in the minor leagues. So I would be really curious to see... If no one steps up and really claims this job, uh, second base at the Major League level, which so far no one is, how long do you hold Demi Jones down if he continues to hit? Because, you know, and I I think that this is the point that Nick was making, he's not a guy where you're worried about the service time. So if he makes your team better now and you feel like he is ready for the Major Leagues, there's really no reason to hold off. There's no long-term strategy to keeping him down there.
2: The Orioles are off tomorrow, Thursday. I think what we're home against Boston, or are we in Boston after that? Home. Okay. I want him in Baltimore on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: the, the argument for promoting Jamai Jones is Ramon Arias, uh, Rio Ruiz, and Pat Belica. I had to remember Rio Ruiz's name because I don't, I don't even care. I don't watch their bats, I don't watch them play the field. I just don't care anymore. Like, Rio Ruiz, sure he's a great guy. Love the hair last year, but that's gone. And uh, I appreciate it. I, know. Not it. <laughs> I appreciate that every time he's at his worst and someone steps up, Jamai Jones hits a home run and two triples today, and Rhea Ruiz says, I'm going to get myself a base hit. He always does that. He always falls for it. He's the ex that says, I'm going to do better this time. Uh, guess what? <laughs> he's the same person, so just drop him already. No one wants to watch Pat Vileka play second base. I don't know why we're talking about the Major League Rasserie anymore. Uh, Get rid of all of them. Bring up Jemai Jones. It's time. It's done.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great comparison. There are plenty of dead fish in the sea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, we're now going to go to our listener contest, which uh, had a conclusion since our last show on Friday. And, uh, Nick, uh, who was the winner of our free tickets promotion? Yeah. We can shout out
0: at cousin Smith on Twitter. You uh, retweeted our tweets. You followed us on Instagram. So I had a couple entries. He was the random winner that I picked. Um, and yeah. He chose next Thursday, I think May 13th. He's going to be at Bowie checking out a game on us. So hopefully you enjoy
2: the game and get to see now the Richmond home run. Good chance. He gets to see a, a good starting pitcher as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, Keep an eye out uh, on our social media channels, uh, in particular on Twitter, at BSL on the Verge. Um, in addition, be sure to check in over at com, where we'll have regular articles. Bob just had his latest three-up, three-down piece on Monday, and I have a story up uh, earlier this week looking at some of the questions for the Orioles minor league system as kind of a preview piece. Um, and we'll also be on the message board over there, especially in the minor league section. So be sure to join in there as well. And before we sign off uh, for this episode, we want to discuss what we're looking forward to seeing over the next week. And I'll start with Bob on this one.
2: Yeah, there's a lot that I'm looking forward to. Uh, but I think number one, most of all, is I want to see these guys that we haven't got to see pitch yet, like Garrett Stallings tonight, Kyle Bradish. I want to go back and watch these outings. I want to see Easton Lucas, the forgotten one, get his start, you know, or at least get into a game something i want to st- just see these pitchers that's what i want to see the most and i just thought of something by the way that this cousin what was his name sorry cousin at cousin smith cousin smith send us your scouting report of any anything you want to anyone that goes to a game this year send us your scouting report and we'll 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 look at it at least and we'll probably bring it up on the show so yeah i'm looking forward to the pitchers there's plenty to look forward to but i want to see these guys that I haven't had a chance to see yet
0: yeah, lots of pitching. That's what I've been mostly focusing on here. Uh, Brendan Hannafi he goes in a couple of days. That's what, boy, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, I want to see a good out and follow in the steps of uh, DL Hall down there in Bowie. I did want to mention, I didn't get to mention him earlier. I did want to mention Nick Vespi, though. And I tweeted out a video of some of his pitches yesterday in Bowie. He came in after the rain delay, so got three innings of work in. But he went three innings, no walks, one hit, four strikeouts. Uh, th- those Altoona hitters, I mean, they late swings, herky-jerky hacks. I think Vespi got a sword in there as well. Like, this guy has never been on the top 30 list, I don't think. He's not a guy that ever gets talked about. Uh, he's a lefty with not a lot of high-velocity pitches, but a really good changeup. Uh, and he's pitched very well throughout his minor league career. And I just think he deserves a little bit more credit uh, for for fans. And so I think watch Nick Vespi. If he comes out of the bullpen again later this week or, or next week, definitely take a moment to watch him in Bowie.
2: It's it says a lot to me that he was at Del Marva with Drew Rahm, Grayson Rodriguez. All these guys that are in Aberdeen or still at Del Marva and he's all the way at Bowie. So to me that says they definitely see something in him. Maybe it's just because they think he could move quickly out of the bullpen, but it's a good sign.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing what we get from the rest of the Norfolk's pitching staff um, in particular, Zach Lothar, because he did look so impressive in that one inning that we saw him pitch in the major leagues, but this is a guy who has had consistent success level after level in the minor leagues. So I really am anxious to see what that first triple a start looks like. I want to see what Alexander Wells does. And I want to see if Keegan Aiken is able to get over some of the struggles that we saw in spring training um, and hopefully get back to the major leagues before too long. So really the, Those three guys, to see what they could do, especially Lothar, is really what I'm looking forward to is what do we see from Norfolk's pitching staff over the next week or so. Um, And then, you know, if the pitchers that threw in the last two games, the ones who struggled a little bit are able to bounce back, that's good. But I think we're really curious to see what Aiken, Lothar, and Wells do um, with their runs in AAA this year.
2: I think one of them is going to start for the Orioles on Saturday. I'm curious to see which one. Would be I'm probably going to say it's it's probably going
0: to be Keegan Aiken, I think, as long as the, fing- the fingers is good. I think he threw a side session or something the
1: other day, so we'll see. But I don't know. Norfolk, get it together. Come on. <laughs> well, we'll have plenty of reaction to whatever does happen over the next week on our next show. Um, in the meantime, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, at BSL on the Birds. Um, Not just to get updates about the podcast, but also uh, video highlights from what's going on in the Orioles minor league system, as well as some stats we find notable we want to share. And continue to check in on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com for the latest Orioles, Ravens, college sports, and professional soccer coverage. Uh, For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden. You've been listening to On the Verge.